Hello and welcome to another episode of A Little Ray of Sunshine, inspirational stories from everyday people. Today I have with me John and Hallie Kortz, and just a pleasure to have you. So John, let's start with you. What's good? Everything's good right now. Hello, listeners of Brother Ray's podcast. Um, As he said, my name is John Kortz. I am one of his students in the social work program, and... I'm just living my life right now. I have my wife here with me and our son, Zion. And yeah, we're just enjoying life and just living it as best as we can. Awesome. So if you hear some bangs or different noises, we'll just chalk that up to Zion. Right, Zion? (laughs) Okay. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I'm originally from San Francisco, California. Uh, I grew up in a big family. I have two older siblings. They're my half-siblings on my mom's side, and I have four younger siblings, all from the same dad, and it's quite the upbringing. I've been the only one in my family to be to have gone on a mission. I've been the only one to get married, only one going through school right now, so it's me trying to set the example for my siblings, but also just learning how to just be motivated and continue on with life and just do the best that I can. One thing about my upbringing is it wasn't perfect, uh, just like everyone else. I think one story that I'd like to share is uh, I was 12 years old, and I thought it'd be cool to hang out with some of the kids who weren't good influences, and they were in my elementary school cohort that moved on to middle school. And we would have this fight club. And so we would go to this little park that was hidden within the neighborhood. And we would have fight clubs. And, of course, being my age at 12 and being the biggest, a lot of the kids thought they could take me on. But, no, I actually hit someone with a good uppercut and it almost messed up their tongue. So, yeah, it was it was a fun upbringing. But just knowing that, you know, not everyone's perfect is, it brings a good light, knowing that there's something to learn no matter where you go. You said that uh, you were one of the biggest, and that's probably why I call you Big John in class, probably, right? Yes, yeah. Where, where are your parents from? Are they from the islands? My mom is from American Samoa, and my dad's from Samoa itself, which mm-hmm. is independent, and I'm first generation Samoan American, I guess you would say. So it's different uh, knowing that my parents can speak the language, but growing up, I didn't learn the language at all. Have you since learned? or? Nope, still don't know it. Can't really pick up what they're saying, so whenever they're talking bad about me, I know. <laughs> yeah, probably, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, But yeah, growing up with my siblings, it was different because we we all lived in the same house but had different experiences, which is true with any family. Sure. But with mine, I just saw that we can learn the same things, but not apply it the same way. Okay. Give me an example. How have you applied what you learned growing up? So one thing that my mom taught me especially was just keeping the gospel close. Uh, A lot of your listeners probably know that a lot of us who get interviewed are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But for me, I didn't know what that really meant until I got older. But applying the gospel into my life, 
throughout my whole life has really helped me see that, you know, God's good and that it doesn't matter what choices I make, there are consequences for them, but I have to learn how to repent and learn how to make myself better so that I don't get stuck with those consequences. Right. That makes sense. Have you ever had any experiences in your life that you would look at and say, wow, that really shaped me? One experience uh, was I've gone to pick up my little sister from elementary school because my mom, and my older sister, they work at the after school program there. And I caused a big ruckus with my older sister to where we got into an argument and she decided to kick me off campus. But I was there to pick up my little sister. So I was I was there to pick her up. And that was it. But I wanted to play. And being from in middle school and not wanting to do homework and things like that, I wanted to to play for a little bit. But she told me no and just kept on saying no and no. And so she started to chase me. And I ended up just running as long as I can. I'm a big guy, so running's not my forte. But yeah, my sister chased me. She was in good shape. She was a volleyball player, but... Just knowing that I caused something that bad to to have my sister chase me and then be reprimanded by the after school program director, giving me like just a warning like if you do that again, you're never coming back. That's something that really shaped me to become like I got to be more respectful to just any woman in my life. And so, how is that going? I know you've got a beautiful wife here. How long have you been married? In March, we will be married three years. Three years. Okay. I'll ask you, Hallie, the question. He just said that he learned how to treat women. How's that going? Oh, it's going great. My uh, parents actually are always commenting. They're like, John is so respectful. Why aren't your brothers more like that? (laughs) My God, I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, he, he treats everybody really well. Um. And he's a really good example to look up to. So I appreciate it. Excellent. So what about your life? Have you had any upbringing different from what John got? Or have you had any different experiences? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I grew up a member of the church. I was born in Logan, Utah, and my family moved around Utah quite a bit. And then my junior year of high school, we moved to Billings, Montana, and I ended up graduating from there. But that move was really hard on my family. Like, it was our first really big move away from all of our friends. And my one brother did not take that very well. And so he uh, he just kept making all these choices that weren't leading down the right path. And it took a toll on our whole family. My parents would argue all the time because of it. And it was really hard to watch him make those choices where we're like, what are you doing? <laughs> come on, just just go to school and come home and be nice to the family. Like, it's, it's simple, but it was really hard for him. And I think that was one of the times in my life where I had to choose to cling to the gospel a little bit more. You know, I'd pray really hard for him. And then when he was struggling, I would also take that time to try and find scriptures. Um, I'd send him scriptures every day 
try and help him. And he never wanted to go to seminary, but I'd make him go to seminary. <laughs> I would wait for him. I was We were always late, but I felt it was important for him to go, even if it was for 10 minutes. And then I also decided then that I wanted to serve a mission. And so I started trying to teach my teachers about the gospel during lunch. <laughs> and I would take them uh, copies of the Book of Mormon. And I think that really helped me with my testimony and with preparing to go on a mission, which I ended up going when I graduated. I went to Baltimore, Maryland. And it was a wonderful experience. And I encourage everybody to go on a mission because it really teaches you a lot about life in general and helps you with your testimony and um, you get to meet so many people and it's just such a wonderful experience. So Hallie, other than the trial that you went through with your brother, have you ever gone through any personal trials yourself that really kind of strengthened you through it? Yeah. Oh man, I've been through a lot. <laughs> it's hard to choose just one. I guess one a little more recently was when I had Zion. <laughs> that was a really rough pregnancy. I was really sick the whole time. I ended up having to quit my job because I just spent most of the time in the bathroom throwing up and I just didn't feel like it was fair to get paid for not working. So <laughs> I ended up quitting my job and then I developed preeclampsia and so I had him three weeks early. It was kind of scary at first, but it ended up working out really well. And people don't explain this enough, but I feel like it's one of the most spiritual experiences you can have because the spirit is so strong and the veil is so thin because you are bringing a life into the world. And so that whole time it was really hard. And then we had that moment when he came and it was so wonderful. And then he ended up being really jaundiced. <laughs> His Billy Rubin levels were not good. And so we were going to the doctor every day for two weeks and he had to stay under a Billy Rubin light and it was really hard. And then I ended up having surgery a month after he was born, get my gallbladder removed. <laughs> and then I also had broken my tailbone in the, that time um, when I had given birth to him. So it was, it was a really rough time, but I learned so much about family and we had so much family that came to support us and was really there to help us. I have a lot of extended family that live close. And then my parents came down and siblings came down and um, John's mom and one of his brothers came down. And so we had a lot of help. And it was really cool to just see how much love that we had when we were going through such a hard time just with my health and with trying to figure out how to raise a child because that is a new experience that you just can only prepare so much for. So it was really a hard trial, but a wonderful experience now that you look back on it. Oh, I'm sure. And, you know, and I can't put myself in the shoes of women who are having children, obviously. But my perspective is that it's a sacred privilege to bear children. And you mentioned how close to the veil and they, you know, where they were before they came here. They were in God's arms just before they were in your arms. Mm -hmm. What a privilege. What a blessing, right? What mm -hmm. an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what does motherhood mean to you now that you have a child? Oh, it's everything. I mean, 
whenever I'm having a bad day, I just look at his little face and he's always smiling and it just brightens you right up. And I have learned, I mean, he's only one and I have learned so much from him. <laughs> it is incredible what they can teach you when they honestly don't know much. And they, you can just see God's presence around them because they're just so innocent and so they're so wonderful. And I, I love being a mother. <laughs> Do the good days, the happy days outweigh the hard days with Zion? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Can you imagine having two or three more children and being able to love them just as much as you love him? Oh, absolutely. We we, we want a lot of children, don't we, John? Yes, we do. (laughs) How many do you want there, Big John? So I want her to birth eight children. Eight kids. Yes. So go ahead, Hallie. And that's I, what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't mind birthing eight. I I really want a lot of kids. I feel like I want to do foster kids one day, and so mm-hmm. I will include all of them. So I just throw out the number of eighteen because I'm like, you know, eight, eight, <laughs> wait a minute. I don't know if I heard you right. Wait, John said eight. You added a teen to that. Yep. So so you you want a dozen and a half? Yes. Children. <laughs> Bless your soul. (laughs) Bless you right now. (laughs) I mean, good for you and some of those foster kids. Yes. Yep. What made you kind of get interested in that? When I received my patriarchal blessing, I just felt like it talked a lot about, you know, bringing kids into the world and how my home will be a refuge for them. And ever since then, I've just always felt like I've really wanted to do foster care and be that person that they could turn to or that home and even like if they were to go back to their biological parents that they would still feel comfortable reaching out to us if they ever needed anything and so that's kind of where it started. (laughs) I like that you use the word refuge and I'm going to ask Big John this. What is your definition of a home as a refuge? Um, For me that would mean finding peace this world is crazy as it is, and knowing that I can come home to where there's a lot of peace, to come home and feel comfort, that lets me know that not every place in this world is crazy. Mm-hmm. And so the home is our way of feeling God's presence as well, and that's what we should aspire to one day, mm-hmm. is because the home is where we'll be when we get back to Heavenly Father. In his presence, we're going to be home. So that's what I hope our refuge is and what God's refuge is for us. How do we do that? How do we make our homes a refuge? I know now what your definition is of it, but how do we make it a refuge? Well, one thing is keeping it clean. (laughs) Okay. Um, Today, I surprised my wife by cleaning the house. Uh, It's it's been a, a mess, a really big mess, just because of Zion. Yeah. We can blame everything on Zion, thankfully. Do it now. <laughs> Do it now. <laughs> but you can just tell that there was a difference after cleaning it and making everything look a lot better. Uh, just cleaning your house makes a big difference in the presence of your home. What do you think about things you can do? I mean, home being clean, obviously, cleanliness is next to godliness, as we're taught. But what can you do as a dad or as a mom to make that house or that home a refuge? I think teaching Zion about Christ, that's one thing that I've learned lately. Elder Gong was in Rexburg 
just this past weekend. And one thing that stood out to me was just all things will work towards our good. And so helping Zion know about Christ, learn about Christ and get to know Christ himself will help him feel refuge, not because of us, but because of Christ, because Christ is the one who paves the way for us. Right. We know that uh, we know that little children watch us. And so that makes it even more of a priority for us to, to do what's right, to be that example to them. And in one way, this is one way to teach Christ, and that is to be a disciple of Christ and do it in a way that your children see that you actually are a disciple of Christ through your actions. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Yeah, uh, I've, I keep on repenting every day like everyone needs to repent. And that it's not a bad thing. Repentance allows us to change our ways to become more like God's. And so if we look at repentance that way, it helps us to really realize that if I want to be like God, I have to repent. And so when I teach Zion about Jesus Christ, I'm repenting. When I show him that he can be like Christ and that I can learn from him about being like Christ, it helps me see that I'm repenting just by watching Zion and making sure that I'm praying to Heavenly Father for forgiveness or strength to become better each and every day. What do you think about being a dad? Is it scary? Oh, yeah. The funny story about that is when I was watching Hallie giving birth, I was curious. I was there and I was like, wow, Zion just came out of her. It was an interesting experience for me as a dad because I've heard a lot of things that a lot of dads faint or they get real queasy. But I was there and I I really enjoyed the experience and wanted to learn from that experience of what it means for me to be a dad. Yeah. So do you remember anything you did learn from that specific experience? I learned it was my time to tighten my belt, roll up my sleeves and really like work on myself so that Zion can see that he can be a good dad someday himself, to be a good man himself. I've learned from my own dad. Uh, He's a quiet man, but he's very into actions. And so when when he does something, he means it. For me to, to see my dad work every day and do everything he can for us really taught me that I, I got to step up for my family, do everything I can to, to provide for my little family that will grow a lot yeah. soon. Little now, but 18 <laughs> <laughs> later, I mean, you, yeah. you really have to step it up then, my friend. Yes, yeah, yeah. I will. But right now it's a learning process, mm-hmm. yeah. thankfully. How has it been for you to work together as a couple in this grand opportunity to raise this special Zion here? Well, our story uh, for for your listeners, to make it short, we met on Mutual. For those who know this term, I ghosted her for a month. And then I messaged her around Christmas time. And we had our first date online. And then she proposed to me after that weekend on a Tuesday. So first date, 14 hours. I said, I loved you on Sunday. She proposed to me on Tuesday. She proposed to you. Fantastic. (laughs) Isn't that refreshing? That's uh, I I like that. And obviously you said yes, and hopefully you jumped up and down and said yes with vigor. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. Awesome. Awesome. And so that, that just prepared us to know that 
whatever comes our way, we'll be ready together. And so when Zion came, it helped us to really settle down and think like what what can we do to prepare before he comes Mm -hmm. what can we do to to really make this place special for him so that he can learn to love everyone around him have respect and really learn to love god right i mean i'm i'm old so you have to explain a couple things to me i i I might be old but i'm slow so what does it mean to have an online date what do you what do do on an online date you just look at each other or what (laughs) I mean, help me here. <laughs> so what I did is I took her on a, a tour of Paris. We we went up the Eiffel Tower and just through Google Maps, of course. But we, we looked around on the Eiffel Tower. And then after that, I took her to my home place, showed her around there through Google Maps. And then she took me to some of her favorite childhood places that she grew up in. And that was for most of the, the date. And then... We ended up just learning about each other as much as we can, and yeah, and even spent a couple of hours just sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually went to Paris to climb the Eiffel Tower with her on on Zoom with you or something? Facebook Messenger. And so you got to experience that with him. Now, that's cool. That's cool. I, I had to have you clarify because, I mean, back in my day, you, you know, you it was a phone and it had a cord to it, right? You mm-hmm. dialed on that thing. Um, so that sounds like a, a fun date, actually. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, we, we really got to learn about each other just from going to our different childhood places mm-hmm. and really just understanding where we came from. Right. Very good. He's getting restless, isn't he? <laughs> We're close to just wrapping this up, but but through it all, if you had to give some bit of advice to people who are young parents considering marriage considering having children maybe not 18 but children somewhere along the line <laughs> what what would you say to him so brother ray asked me earlier um uh, on monday what what's the theme that you think you would want to bring up and surprisingly enough for me the the theme that i thought of is the advice that i'd want to give to everyone and that it's never too late. You know, God has a plan for all of us. And whether we get to that plan as fast as we can, or it, it'll take a while to come along. For me, I got married at 25. And I thought when I got home from my mission when I was 20, oh, I'm gonna get married right away. I'm gonna have a wife and a couple of kids already. But I'm almost 29. And I have my first child who's a year old and a beautiful wife, and we're hoping to have a bigger family. And it's it's never too late to to look for your eternal companion. It's never too late to have children, whether it's through pregnancy or if it's through adoption and foster care. You know, God has a plan for all of us, and we just have to, to look for it. What do you say to people, and I know this is a real thing, some people have a hard time seeing God's hand in their life. I know of a little quote that says, God is in the details. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? To me, that means that God's in every step of the way. When we're on this journey of life, where we're taking steps everywhere we go, whether it's a step towards a, a different career, a, a step towards meeting someone new, making new friends, going to a different school, 
God's going to be part of that no matter what. And so if we take the reins from him and we start going a path that we chose on our own, then that's okay. But just know that God's going to be there to help you rein it back, to go a different direction if you take part of his will. That's amazing. That's great advice. I appreciate you sharing that. That's a good reminder. We need to hear that kind of thing. Because a lot of times we just kind of go through life and hope we cross that covenant path. But mostly we want to be on it. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, crossing it is the best they can do right now. But God knows that. He knows where we're at. He knows who we are. He knows our names. He knows us personally. And he will guide and direct you with the plans and the goals that you have. If they're not his plans, he'll tweak it a little bit for you, won't he? Oh, yeah. But it'll always be for the better. Yes, it will. It'll always be for the better. Well, I appreciate both of you being here tonight, especially just watching little Zion playing around here as you guys have been talking. It's nice. We're empty nesters here, and so we get to have grandkids over. It's just nice to have that uh, the, the child's voice in the home. I mean, that's what it's about, right? Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you again. And to my listeners, as always, remember to speak up, speak out, and speak often. Bye-bye. Thank you.